New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to a USMNT and MLS-centric episode of the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and on today's episode, we're tackling your listener questions about MLS roster rules, expensive goalkeepers, overlooked Americans, Gio Reyna as the next Lennon Donovan, and much, much more. To do so, I'm joined by the man who is demanding Mallory Swanson levels of money for any media appearance. It's Joe Lowry. Hello, Joe. You know, it, it feels... I, I was going to try to go on that and yes, and you on <laughs> comparing me to Mallory Swanson and anything I do when it just feels wrong. I don't deserve... It. Mallory Swanson, however, does deserve her new contract with the Chicago Red Stars. I believe it's the first four plus one in NWSL history. Uh, I, I'm all for whatever's happening with Mallory Swanson right now. I'm also all for whatever is going on with Cade Cowell right now. Have either of you, and I'm sort of foreshadowing our other guest, have either of you seen Cade Cowell's recent fit in his recent hairstyle? Um, because it is the only thing possible that could make him look more like a high school surfing villain from a surfing movie that he already did. Please go look it up. He's blonde now. Fun fact. It's wild. Is there a puka necklace? Uh, I, it, it's a clear one. Yeah, sure. It's, it's right around his neck. <laughs> Joe, what, what, what would you advise me to search for if I'm looking for Cade Cowell? Honestly, even just doing Cade Cowell might do it on the internet. I'm, I'm currently on Twitter, and uh, there's a, a really a whole set of really crazy Cade Cowell pictures. There was a, a shot of him, a little video of him, at, uh, I assume, Chivas' stadium, because he has now officially signed for Chivas, over the weekend. And his fit, uh, I can't even articulate it properly, but his fit was absolutely incredible, bordering on comical. Whoa. And now there are shots of him in the Chivas jersey with the new hairstyle. Yeah. Um, everything is coming up Kate Cowell right now because this stuff is awesome. A little, little, bit, uh, little bit like stonewashed 90s jeans going on, and then he's got the Chivas fit yeah, and the, uh, and the blonde hair. It's a look. It's certainly a look. It's it's like Antoine Griezmann uh like esque, I would say, because of the red and white stripes. Yeah. But it's an interesting look, Joe. Are you gonna go for that one too? Yeah, it's it's coming up next. My wife doesn't know that, but you know, that's fine. She doesn't Fair listen, enough. so we're good. <laughs> uh rounding out the crew today uh is the man who can't wait to see Jose Mourinho manage in Major League Soccer. It's David Goss. Uh David Goss recording live from Witness Protection as well. David, uh thank you for Going through st- such strenuous levels to be here. My name is actually Daniel Garce, but oh, thank you for having well me. Well done. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was in witness protection? I was like, but I still do these online yeah. shows that I can put on the internet for anyone to find. And they're important, right? Surely they're important. Yeah, for you. Oh, this no, no, is they're worth about, it. They're about soccer? Am I? Yeah. I? I feel like Goss, Goss and Witness Protection would be like the mobsters in Witness Protection who like go right back to a life yeah. of crime once they're relocated. It would be David just moving to a different place and then, yeah, still contributing to extra time in, in, in loud and emphatic yeah, fashion. Yeah, I run Anchorage enjoy. now. 
That's the next Taylor Sheridan franchise, I think, Anchorage King. Uh, until David Goss is running Anchorage, we've got some questions to get to, starting with everyone's favorite, MLS roster rules. From yeah. Bobby Drexler, do MLS roster rules still apply to players being acquired via loan? Would teams still have to use DP slots, TAM, GAM, WAM? Uh, yes, you do have to use uh, WAM for sure. Even if a player is on a loan spell, I understand for most teams that would use these mechanisms likely wouldn't be bringing in players in on loan. I'm mainly just curious if the roster rules are the same or if there is a separate set of rules for loans. David Goss, since you run Anchorage, you are the businessman. I'm assuming you know all these yeah, contracting. Yeah, I have to bring everyone in on loan because no one wants to move to anchorage to play soccer so so everyone comes in on a short-term loan it's a great question from bobby i appreciate it i hate the energy and excitement about the dumbest things in the world that we all also care about i would start by saying i think when you think about major league soccer players and all of these roster rules and what happens and what matters is the player's salary is all that matters so the way it works is even if you pay a transfer fee it's amortized over the course of the contract into the salary. Um, so a loan is similar in which it's what the player makes that hits their roster designation and then the mechanisms you need to use to bring them in. So if a player is making $2.5 million, you bring them in on loan, they're going to have to be a DP. It has nothing to do with whether or not there is a loan. Some loans have loan fees. So that loan fee would then be cooked into um, their salary in your roster designation. So it could take potentially a $1.3 million player to a $1.7 million player on your books for the season if there's a $400,000 loan fee on top of it. If not, you can use allocation money to buy this contract down inside your salary books and inside your team. I don't believe you take TAM bucks and give them to Nottingham Forest. I think there's probably a mechanism in which that has to that has to be converted <laughs> into That's a pound <laughs> TAM contract or pound TAM money. But uh, but <laughs> so you potentially will have to use allocation. Uh, I guess it would be TAP, targeted allocation pounds. <laughs> that would be what it would fall into. That, I, jo- you that started got so Joe strong. You so started good. so strong, David, and the explanation was awesome and really easily to understand. And then you said targeted allocation pounds or whatever it was that you said, and that completely sent me um, because we descended into absolute chaos so so quickly. But no, I mean, Goss is, Goss is absolutely right about the, the main stuff there. Like, the salary stuff is what matters. So the DP threshold, the, the amount of money that a player is making that forces them to become a designated player in Major League Soccer is right around $1.6 million a year. So if a player is coming in and their actual salary is $1.5 million a year and you bring them in on loan and there's no loan fee, they don't have to be a DP. But... If you bring them in and there is a loan fee to Goss's point, and let's say it's $200,000, that bumps them up above the 1.6 threshold and they do have to become a DP. The same thing, the exact same logic works for a, a DP that comes in not on loan, which is uh, what happens the vast majority of the time in Major League Soccer. If Taylor, you're a designated player coming in from Scotland, let's say, and you're signing for $2 million a year, you're automatically a DP. If you come in, and you're signing for $1.5 million a year, but there's a $1 million transfer fee, then that goes amortized over the life of the contract, and you're probably going to end up being a DP based off of how long that contract is. So loan players don't really get to exist in their own separate space. The only thing that I wanted to add, because I think that makes sense, it's convoluted, it's complicated, MLS makes this more difficult than it probably needs to be, but it's not beyond our understanding as as human beings to get this stuff. The only thing that I, I wanted to add is, 
if you're a DP already inside of Major League Soccer and an MLS team loans you out of MLS, odds are you're still going to count as a DP. So you don't just get, if you're an MLS team, a get out of jail free card. Even if Rodolfo Pizarro is loaned away from into Miami, read this happened to Liga Mekis, he still counts as a DP unless there's a certain compensation coming the other way. And I'll admit my understanding of all that stuff is fuzzy. But the, the TLDR or the TLDL on all of this is, yep, loan people still count basically the same. Can as I add one more add-on, which is um, remember that a lot of teams will carry portions of salary when they loan players out. Right, A lot of teams, especially in Europe, that are having financial issues would rather loan a player out and get, let's just say, $400,000 of their salary off your books for six months or 12 months than to not have the player go out at all, but they can't sell them because no one wants them at their contract. So sometimes you, just throwing out there, will see players you think should be DP or TAM guys in MLS that aren't, and that could be some of the confusion. It's also probably why they don't get bought afterwards. Like we've seen a lot of guys come have good loan spells. They don't come back because the transfer fee becomes part of their salary, and then you have to find a way to negotiate close to what they expect as their full salary. Forgive me if this is very, very obvious, but I have a newborn and a toddler and I don't know what sleep is anymore and my brain sort of barely functions. Why does it still count if you loan that player out? Is the idea just to sort of prohibit teams from basically just getting rid of DPs that didn't work out every single season? That's my understanding, yeah. If, if Inter-Miami can come in and sign a ton of high-profile players and just sort of pick and choose the ones that they actually Why want Inter to Why Inter-Miami, Joe? Why I, would you go with them? I, honestly, Taylor, I couldn't tell you. I was thinking about the Colorado Rapids or the San Jose Earthquakes, and it just didn't feel right for whatever reason. But if Inter-Miami were to do that, which would be a really kind of idiotic thing to do, to be honest, from a roster-building standpoint, but if you were, you can't just get DPs, loan them out, and mm. replace them like willy-nilly. I think they're supposed to be an element of of parity and all this stuff. Of Everybody has their set amount. You can only do so much within that set amount to chop and change as the year goes on. I think that is the rationale behind that decision. All right. Well, let's keep it going with MLS salaries and rosters and the like. We've got another question, Gossam, coming to you first for this one from Matt Prost. Uh, how are LAFC paying Hugo Lloris such a low salary? The former Tottenham goalkeeper and France international goalkeeper uh, moves to LAFC and is making, what, 250 275 300 Yeah. Okay, there we go. Uh, I negotiated my way up along the way there. <laughs> well done. Uh, so that is still a... A fairly small number for a person with his name, recognition, his cachet, and his ability. Goss, how are they doing this? They're not. They're cheating, and the league office is cheating for them. And if your team tried it, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> but because LAFC did it, they allowed it, and that's how it works. Good answer, Perfect. Taylor. Yep, let's keep it moving. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, it, that does feel a little bit like where some of the conversation I'm around sure. the race yeah. has gone. Yeah. Although it also seems to be dominated by Tottenham fans like like really getting distracted by the, should they have let him go yeah. how good was he will he be remembered and a lot of the the searching i did to try to find an answer to this one ended up with spurs fans discussing his legacy versus the contract what, and the what salary they and think? everything else what, what what's the spurs consensus cuz i don't i'm not really on you know our spurs or whatever it is uh, my eyes glazed over and i fell asleep for a little while it has to be so positive. i don't really know what to tell you uh, okay. it, it feels like you know it is it is i think i think he is a respected and like 
respected figure, if not beloved figure. I was trying to find another word to put in there, like respected and liked, but I don't think beloved is the the way I would describe him. Maybe that will change in L.A. Uh, do either of you have thoughts on how they're making this happen for him? The reality is they're paying him the salary they're saying they're paying him. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes if people make 45 to $100 million in their career, yep. then they can choose to just go live in L.A. and do a thing they like a lot and play if they want to. And like my guess would be, I don't know why I'd say my guess. LAFC probably has a list of 15 to 20 guys since Gareth Bale came over that they think also might be interested. And they probably go and ask all of them, hey, for like no money, do you want to come play for us and live in LA and be a part of our organization, which has connections to a ton of high influential, high wealth people in Los Angeles and potentially your Kids can earn green cards and you and your family can earn green cards and live in the U.S. and stay afterwards. All these things that appeal to people. And I'm sure they're going to the 15 or 20 people that they think are worth their time to try and get and think could potentially do it. And every once in a while, one hits and one lands. It obviously happened with Chiellini and Chiellini has talked like a lot about I kind of wanted to learn the business side. I want to expand my connections in the soccer world as well as outside. So I went to LA. We've seen it in the past. It's an advantage those cities have. Red Bulls haven't taken advantage of it pretty much ever. NYCFC refuses to now, which isn't wrong in the way they operate. And the Galaxy, I mean, the Galaxy couldn't win my men's league right now. So LAFC are the champions on the top of the list of, hey, Hugo Lloris' agent says he'd be down to live in the U.S. Does anyone want to come and approach him? Yeah, and it's it's all a fascinating situation, too, because the deal comes out and it's announced that Hugo Lloris, or it's reported and then it's announced that Hugo Lloris is signing for LAFC. And I'll put myself in this category. There was a lot of backlash, right? LAFC had solid, if not spectacular, goalkeeping last year with Maxime Cropo, John McCarthy, both, I think, starting caliber goalkeepers in Major League Soccer. They were both free agents and seemingly, you know, wouldn't require at least one of them to uh, it wouldn't require you to pay them a ton of money to stick around and be a starter for 2024 to give you continuity in a roster that has a ton of turnover. Carlos Vela, free agent. Dennis uh, Dennis Buanga maybe wants to leave. Diego Palacios, free agent. Kellen Acosta, free agent. They've already lost Palacios to Brazil. They're probably going to lose Acosta somewhere else inside of Major League Soccer. Maybe there's a European team that wants to, to get in on that action. I don't really know. But there was going to be a lot of turnover. Why not go for the straightforward continuity option and goal for almost guaranteed solid production. And LAFC said, no, we're going to go out and what I thought, splash a lot of cash on Hugo Lloris, at least in terms of the salary budget. Um, And they didn't have to do that. It comes out later via Kevin Baxter in the LA Times, somewhat strategically, I would imagine, from an LAFC perspective. It comes out what his salary is, and he's making $350,000. In the 2023 season, so that's last year, there were 26 goalkeepers in MLS that made $350,000 or more. So he's not making a lot of money for a goalkeeper. I know Matt obviously knows that with this question, but I think the the whole way that this deal came together from a PR perspective and how it was, uh, how information trickled down to all those of us in the public eye makes a lot of sense for LAFC saying, oh, oh no, we're not, we're not breaking the bank for this guy. The other thing I'll add is when you're an MLS player signing in a big market, and there's no coincidence that the ones that seem to take crazy pay cuts are in the big markets because those markets have a real appeal, especially to people that aren't, aren't from the U.S. and want to experience what that life is like. When you're one of these teams, the market itself has benefit and has value attached to it. That sort of means you can give players less. Uh, the other thing is there are oftentimes lots of different side deals going on that don't directly involve a team's salary cap. The one that I found out about researching this, and I don't have all the details and I would love to know a lot more, 
is that when Sebastian Giovinco signed for Toronto FC, he somehow became like a Porsche ambassador for a Porsche dealership in Oakville, which is, as I've Googled, not too far away from Toronto. Now, I didn't already know that before prepping for this show, but, and somehow he gets Porsche perks, easier for me to say, from, from that whole arrangement. Like, this stuff happens. There are other deals off the field, and so I, I don't think Hugo Lloris will be ending the calendar year of 2024 making $350,000. Uh, there will be other components to this, and some teams and markets are more able to tie in those components than others. Deals like that always make me wonder if Giovinco came in wanting a Porsche or if or if that was a way they sold him. It was like, hey, and we can get you this sweet, <laughs> fancy deal. Or was he like, uh, one of the stipulations is I would like to drive a sports car, preferably a Porsche. And then they went out and found a dealership that well, was willing to work with him. And it has to be a small car, too, because he's a short guy. So nice, can't reach Joe. Nailed course, it. Great <laughs> job, because cars don't fit all people. <laughs> My guess would be that there's a TFC fan uh, hanging out in that space. Let me ask you guys this, then. So... Uh, Roman Berkey was last year's highest paid goalkeeper, 1.5 million. Yep. Andre Blake, 775,000. Pedro Gallese, 720. Probably moved up to a million in what he ended up making. And then you get into the 650s around with Tim Melia and Stefan Fry. If you were LAFC or an MLS team, what would you pay Hugo Lloris to be on your roster? I'm not like... Crazy high on Hugo Lloris. I think there's a real I'd chance. Agree. I think there is a possibility that he pulls a Roman Berkey because Berkey had been really poor in his last, I think, three years at Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga. And he comes into MLS Next Pro and is somehow rejuvenated and turns into the top or, you know, second from top goalkeeper last year based on the shot stopping numbers. He was fantastic for St. Louis. I think there's a possibility that Lloris comes in and does that because some of his European numbers were pretty darn good, even though his Premier League numbers had, had cratered in the last two seasons. But like, it's a lot of risk, man, for not a lot of reward if you're paying him a high salary. So I'm fine with 350K. I'm probably fine even if you work your way up into that five or 600K range. I'd just rather have Stefan Fry. Like, I'd just, I just rather have one of these other dudes that we already know about and go take those risks on high-value roster spots and the DPs and all that stuff. So I wouldn't... I personally wouldn't break the bank for Hugo Taylor. I don't know what you think about all this. Uh, I, I agree with you, but I, I would add like that that isn't like they're not taking that much of a risk though, right? With what in they're this situation, him. absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't. I, I I think this is. I think you said what up to five or six. I think I'd, I'd cap it at like five hundred thousand. Sure. Which I think it really is just that when you see his name that he was so long a servant for Tottenham in the Premier League that he was the starting goalkeeper for France. It feels like this is a coup of a signing. How did they make this happen? And I get where that mentality comes from. I had it as well when that news was first announced. When you remember, he's sort of kind of fallen off and has had some injury issues and is 37 years old and isn't... Like an, I wouldn't say he's an elite goalkeeper at any sort of particular skill set. I think he's very good at a few things, but it is not as though his distribution is so next level that even if he's 37, 38, 39, it, it works wonders for you. I, I think it's it's a smart deal from them. It gets a little bit of like you probably sell some jerseys. Uh, you probably get some interested people. Uh, you probably get him on some marketing stuff because he, he's not an ugly fella. Uh, but I think overall it is not like I, I would rather spend a million to try to get Andre Blake is is where I am with that. You said he was on what? Seven hundred thousand. Seven seventy five. But resigned. So I don't okay. know. Maybe there's a little bit of other slush money in there. I Here's your reference point. As you have told us. Yohai Takayoka, of course, the number one goalkeeper in Major League Soccer history, was base 179, (laughs) ended Mm -hmm. up on 297. Overall, I think this is a pretty clear win for LAFC. I think this signing 
is is a plus at the end of the day. Even though I'm not 100% sold on him being like a game changer in MLS, it's pretty hard for me to imagine that he just sucks next year. But I, you can tolerate that risk, that, that small risk that he sucks. You can tolerate that when you're paying him very little in terms of your overall cap, which is what, you know, five, six, seven million dollars these days. I don't remember what the number is. That's fine. If you're paying him what I think everybody assumed they were paying him when the deal was first announced, then all of a sudden it starts to feel worse and worse. But again, props to however the information got out there and Kevin Baxter for chasing that down for all of us to now understand the context. So like, yeah, I think almost any team in MLS who doesn't already have an elite goalkeeper would take Hugo Lloris on $350,000 against the cap. Two quick questions for you all then. Number one, would you say he is an upgrade or a downgrade on Maxime Cripeau? And secondly, where do you think Cripeau will end up falling on that sort of salary range? He's linked with heavily linked with Portland, I think, at time of recording. I'm sure there's other interested parties as well. Do you all feel like he is going to be in that 700 to a million dollar range? I would say on the first one, I think he'll be an upgrade this season over Crapo. Okay. First of all, because Crapo didn't really play a lot of last year. Like he was great oh, in yeah. the playoffs, but he was out for most of the year and he's had injury issues over the course of his career. Um, obviously the big one coming out of MLS Cup, but one of the things with Crapo is he was a big, he is a big game player. He is not consistent. When you look over the course of the last two years, he's netted out underlying numbers between the 12th and 16th best starting goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. But in the playoffs, he has been the best goalkeeper on the field multiple. And that's sort of a credit to him. But I think that's where Hugo Lloris is an upgrade of like, yeah, Tottenham fans will laugh and talk about the big gaffes and the big issues, but He's been around enough to consistently, I think, perform at a high level and do a lot of the little things of like communicating with a back line that no longer has Chiellini, of making life a little bit easier for guys, of organizing a little bit better. So I think he's going to end up being an upgrade over the course of this season. For Maxime Crepo, I'd be shocked if he fell above the 600,000 line of like what it took Stefan Fry years to get to and Timelia years to get to. But I think, I mean, I don't question that he'll be brought in as a starting goalkeeper wherever he ends up. Goss, thank you for that reminder that Maxime Grippo was injured for most of last season because I saw that consistently from LAFC supporters that like he might, Lloris might not be a complete upgrade on Grippo, but he is definitely an upgrade on McCarthy, especially going forward. And that is who they relied on for 20 plus games last season. So I think that that is a, a, a point well made. And Joe, you don't think John McCarthy is a starting level goalkeeper in MLS. Uh, no, I, th- I, yeah, I think he probably is. There's a lot no, of real bad goalkeepers not. in Major League Soccer, dude. No, he's not. <laughs> Why not? Because he was bad this year. Like, they lost probably Champions Ooh, League because Gus, he was their starting goalkeeper. very much on mic right now, ladies and gentlemen, if you weren't no, aware. Because, <laughs> like, the PK stuff is fun. He obviously has stepped up in big moments in some knockout competitions. He helped win them MLS Cup because of the shootout. But, like, you are a bad MLS team if he's starting for you. Okay. <laughs> Joe, Joe, if you had to, what, what you're saying, he, he is a starter. So yeah. Joe would rather have him over Zach Steffen, I'm guessing, and Goss feels the other way around? I mean, it sound, I mean I'd be shocked if Goss didn't feel the other way around. It seems yeah. like Goss hates John McCarthy. He must I would have, John, for some I would have I Zach Steffen's the... kids starting goal for me right now over John McCarthy. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I feel like he did something to you personally. We'll talk about it in that, that in the Not break. Not at all. We'll come back. Love him. Great guy. <laughs> sure. I don't think he feels the same about no, you right No, I don't now. think he would. <laughs> All right, quick break. Back with more questions in just a second. New game day shirt? Boom. 
cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Welcome back to the Total Soccer Show. One more thing on Ugo Lloris, which I mentioned in the pre-show that Goss says I should mention now, so I will. Thank you, David Goss. Uh, from my reading, I do think Ugo Lloris is from a fairly wealthy family. His mother is a very established lawyer uh, in France. His dad is an investment banker in Monte Carlo. Seems like he came up in a comfortable upbringing. So I do wonder if there is an, a level of wealth there. He's made a ton of money with Tottenham, as Goss mentioned. And so I do think it's probably a move that Money isn't really the key thing here. It's getting to live and work in Los Angeles and bring his family over, as Goss mentioned. So I think that is probably a big part of how this move ended up ended up happening, as opposed to him going to a, a random club in France or something like that. Wow, Taylor, that's such interesting and new information <laughs> to me. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, David. I do appreciate No, really. Thank you, Gus. Uh, next question. Uh, I'll go to Joe, though, because I appreciated Gus so much on that one. Clay W., uh, of the players who started for USMT in their final match, first match, excuse me, of the 2022 World Cup, so against Wales, who do you expect will be replaced in the starting 11 in the 2026 World Cup and by whom? I'm taking it off the table right now. You cannot say Tim Ream, uh, though he could well be starting in 2026. I, I think he's the most likely candidate. So removing him uh, and I think adding in Joe, I'll just go ahead and add in Chris Richards for you. Yeah, that sounds good to me. He he was yeah. on my list. I won't I won't put him at the top because you have already taken him off the board. Uh, are we going to do like a, a go around kind of thing here where we each pick one and then we go into Why a run out? Chris Richards assumed over Donovan Pines. I'm England now. It's the best country in the world. I didn't think I could be any angrier with you, Goss, after I was at the end of the last segment. And somehow you've accomplished it. Um, also, I don't appreciate you slandering Donovan Pines. That's uh, Barnsley, uh, English League One center back, Donovan Pines. Um, take his name out your mouth. Anyway, my next pick fight, on, on this the list, episode. Donovan Pines. Donovan Pines is how I, I feel about Donovan Pines as Goss apparently feels about John McCarthy. And one of us is justified and the other is not. Um, I'll go with the other can center we, back spot. Can we do a show where 
I really want to do this, where you each take turns drafting a team for the other person from Major League Soccer. That we like, know that we know like, they'll <laughs> hate. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. That's that's what I want it to be. I want you. Yeah. I'm I'm so in. Yeah, it's I'm so down. This feels like a job for you know sometime before the season starts. Because I, I feel like there's um, some obvious ones, and then there would be some misses where got, like Joe would be genuinely happy to get somebody, and Goss would be like, "No, I thought yeah. I, I thought I was going to annoy you, and instead you're happy. I don't want that for you." All right. Anyway, back to the U.S. Go ahead, Joe. Um, wow, now I'm just trying to think about players that Goss hates. <laughs> anyway, I'll go with Tim Ream's center back partner for that first game against Wales. They started together a lot throughout the tournament. Walker Zimmerman. Now, I don't have a great read. I know Clay asked for it. I've got answers for all the other players I think are coming out. I don't have a great read on who the other center back is going to be next to Chris Richards in 2026. I'm fascinated to know if any of you guys do. It could be Miles Robinson. That feels like the most likely option to me. It could be Cameron Carter-Vickers. That also feels very possible. Maybe it's a, a young gun like Jalen Neal. If he really balls out in MLS over the next couple of years, I think he has a high ceiling. The center back depth is not astonishing for the United States right now, but I would be surprised, more surprised, if Walker Zimmerman starts the first game in the 2026 World Cup for the U.S. than if the field, minus Chris Richards, starts a game in that spot. I'll just toss out one other one that I actually have an answer for. I think Giorena is going to start over Yunus Musa. In 2026, I think Musa will be one, the, the one of the MMA trio, assuming everyone's healthy, to drop to the bench. And I think Gio Reyna will be the guy that gets a start and will be sort of more of a 4-2-3-1 or more advanced you know, kind of 4-3-3 with Reyna as a, a, a roamer kind of guy. I think Gio is going to start in 2026, and I think it probably comes at Musa. So run them through real quick, Joe. So you've got uh, Reem and Zim most likely not starting anymore. Coming okay. out. Who's coming in? I've got Yunus Musa coming out. And I also, just to finish it off then, I also have Josh Sargent. I was going to say. For one of. <laughs> How did the one rotation of, thing become Joe gets to take all of them? <laughs> Taylor teamed me up, so I'm going to keep swinging, baby. Swingers got to swing. Um, and it's it's either Balogun or Pepe. I think it's probably going to be Balogun, but I'm not ruling out Pepe, who seems to be on a much better development curve this season than Balogun, who has not taken to life in Monaco particularly well. So I, I, it's going to be one of those two guys. I would wager over Josh Sargent, but Sargent could be in the squad too. Swinger is going to swing is not the saying. It's shooters going to shoot. Sorry that you hate baseball. I guess, you're America's swinging for the fences or you're a home run hitter. It's but telling I don't that your think... team wasn't in the World Series this past year. That's no, it, becoming very, very obvious. It very much is true. But they were the highest uh, salary don't in the care. league, which okay. is the championship you get. <laughs> Uh, so am I supposed to do something now, Taylor? Since Joe what, are all? I mean, what are your picks? Guys? There's a player we could talk about if you want to continue to annoy Joe. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to do that yet. Okay. I would don't, say, don't, oh, Taylor. I would say oh, I agree Taylor. with most of what Joe said. I don't agree on Musa. I think if I'm doing like, how can I answer the question and get a decent answer that is out what, of it? I think that's what we're doing. I think yeah. for the sad part, you have to say Tyler Adams yep. because it just feels like he won't be healthy. Yep. And it's something that I've I've talked to people who have played with him before of like they talked about when you look at his numbers like post game in team meetings and watch tape like he's so off the charts working hard that people thought it might not be sustainable. And so I think we're in this point of his career now where it's some of it's unlucky and some of it's like he might have to rework how he moves, how often he moves, how he reads the game. Um, I don't think that will make him a worse player. He just would have to do it to be able to be on the field. So if you're like making betting choices, he feels like he will be you would get pretty low odds on him because of what the last year plus has looked like. Yeah. The only reason why I don't have more pushback for Joe on Reyna is because I think there's a chance that Adams 
does have some issues, maybe isn't able to go in 2026 or isn't able to be a lockdown starter, and that would be where Yunus Musa slides. Because right now, Joe, you're bumping mm. a dude who's starting and playing for AC Milan for a dude who is not starting or playing very much for Dortmund. Yeah, I, I mean, I've said this a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand more times. Club form matters, but it doesn't matter that much. Tim Weah has really never been a dynamic goal scorer or attacking creator for any club team, and he consistently is the most reliable U.S. attacker but he's when he's playing. on the field for the United States men's national team. But he's, he's playing. Gio Reyna is always hurt, but whenever he is available, it's the same thing as Tyler Adams. Whenever he's available, he's an absolute game changer. The U.S. attack, even if I want more from Reyna because it's so clear what he can bring and what his ceiling is, the U.S. attack is literally always better off for having him on the soccer field. If everyone is available, there is absolutely no way that Gio Reyna is not starting at the 2026 World Cup. No Joe, way. why are you reading messages off of your cell phone? Is Claudia Reyna texting you right now? Is that what's happening? Listeners don't know that Joe is just straight reading off his cell phone. I see what's happening. I'm glad you saw the cell phone and not the bucket of cash. But um, that's, <laughs> no, I mean, that's I mean no. do you guys seriously think if Gio Reyna is healthy that he won't start? I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm very curious. It, like over the the three that started in 2022? Oh, oh, just anywhere in the lineup. Like, like, do you think that Gio Reyna will not be in the starting 11 if he's healthy for the first game of the group stage in 2026? It seems like there's at least a possibility, a possibility in your minds. Yeah. Gus? Didn't he almost get kicked off the team at the last World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there's a possibility. I get All your, is forgiven. Get, Everyone is chummy. <laughs> it's fine. I get your point, which you is right now, it is still feels like he's the most talented attacking soccer player in the U.S. pool and arguably one of all time and is a pretty large name to leave out of a team for a home World Cup in the group stage and all those things. I still think, unless someone else plays center forward, that none of the six from midfield to the front when healthy, have lost thoughts. So I still think there's a way in which Reina has to earn the spot over them, and it's hard to say he can do that if he's playing six to ten minutes a game every other month. It does It does seem like, I will say, that Gio Reyna is the starter, though, for Greg Peralta, does not. He's started consistently, when available, since Peralta got the job back. He started back but, in the in the... Shoot, yeah, when did we just have November? He started in the November camp. window. He started in September and October, like he's he's the dude like i i don't really think you can read this current situation I mean, any other way but all there is showing in one key thing there which is that adams has been hurt so i think all that automatically well, yeah. opens well, like, a spot in midfield that that's where i struggle yeah, is fair. like if adams mckinney and musa are all still playing really really well like then he does have to dislodge them and at current trajectory i don't feel like he is likely to do that i think there's a reality in which he is a starter in certain situations. I think the most likely scenario, honestly, is that Adams does sort of drop off a bit. Musa plays that role more, and that opens up the spot for Reyna. And to Joe, to your point, I feel like the next few months, if Adams doesn't make the recovery, and I, I don't know if he will, I feel like there's a good chance that this is when Reyna cements that spot. If he comes in and starts in the absence of Tyler Adams or, or whomever else in that midfield and looks really good and is a key contributor, then I think, yes, he is starting. But if it's sort of middling performances and doesn't really establish himself as a next-level player, I think it kind of continues to be a conversation. Again, I'm not saying that rules him out, but I think there's a pathway to that happening very soon. There's a pathway to that happening later, and there's a pathway to it maybe not happening We also, so, well, I just, we have to throw in, in a lot of these camps, Pulisic and Way have not been there as well. So on top of the central midfield thing, on the wide positions, like Rain has been brought in because he's not playing with his club team, and Berhalter's trying to get him minutes yeah. and try to sort of showcase him a little bit. 
Yeah, two two quick things. I was wrong about September. I don't think Reyna was healthy for the September window, but he was there in October and he was there back in November as well. Uh, but you're, you make a good point about the wide areas as well, Goss. The, the whole thing with the U.S., and I talked about this ad nauseum leading into the 2022 World Cup, is that this group of players is never healthy, except for at the 2022 World Cup and except for Gio Reyna, because it does not seem like he was fully fit at that time, despite you know what he he seems to want to say. Like this group is is never available together. At least you cannot rely on them to be available all together, all at the exact same time on the field. It just doesn't happen. And so odds are somebody's going to be out. But if if you're telling me based on pure evaluation of talent, when everyone is healthy, if I get to pick who's coming out of the lineup, as much as I love Yunus Musa, and it's very clear, it's been made very clear on this show how much I love Yunus Musa, he's just still not the the complete product. He's not the finished product. And Gio Reyna isn't either. But I would rather have Giorena on the field for me. And I, I would imagine that Greg Barthel would agree. I, I would rather have Giorena on the field than Eunice Moose. Depending on how in the weeds we'd get on this, like I do think it's also based off the way it looks, like the group stage is not going to be the playing the behemoths. Like at home, the U.S. is probably going to be the aggressor in the group stage at the 2026 World Cup because it's going to be 48 teams and three right. teams in the group. And That's exactly. Geo's so, music. Yeah, I, I think there's a ton of space. I just also want to mention, and I people get mad at me still when I say this, like we still don't know all the time where and when guys come out in the US pool. And so like I always leave the door open for in seven months, there could be a player that we don't even have on our radar coming out of Tulsa who goes into the Crystal Palace team that Nate Worth call up. I'm here for it, Goss. Continue. I meant Tulsa University, but yeah, fair. Okay, not FC. Um, okay, but like fine. That it's still a reality of the player pool. Even as someone who watched Giorena as an academy player, and like he was one of the biggest difference makers I've ever seen. He wasn't the only one. Some have not made it. His jump was really fast. Now, part of that is like having professional athlete parents and having a different view on things. But it happens quick for some guys. It doesn't happen. For other guys and other people find the right situation at the right time and then fit in. So, like, I I feel fairly confident in saying I think half the 2026 World Cup roster we may not even be talking about right now. That would be a lot, I think, for how young that It team would be was. a lot because it was a young team yeah. in 22, so maybe that was an exaggeration. But I still <laughs> think there's a decent chunk of players. I mean, no one really had Walker Zimmerman on that list. Even as a high draft pick, Miles Robinson on that list. We weren't talking about Duncan McGuire a year ago. We weren't talking about Daryl DK before he got drafted. Like, And that's just college soccer. That's not even including academy players that we're not tracking in that way because they sort of have a glow up later or they have to find the right spot to fit into a team. Do we want to talk about Matt Turner at all? Joe, I know you don't, but... No, we can. I think I think it's a fair one to bring up. I also think it's telling, though, that none of us had him on our initial list or, or towards the top of our list. He's a guy that, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he's not the dude in 2026, but there's also not a lot of time until 2026. There just isn't a lot. There aren't a lot of windows until that happens. I think it's going to take a lot of, it's going to take a big push for someone like Gaga Slanina or Chris Brady or, you know, Ethan Hort, whoever it is that I'm forgetting, right, who's in that pool. I think it's going to take a pretty big push for someone to dethrone him. It's not impossible, but I would I would back Matt Turner to sort of reestablish himself or at least to not lose his national team form over the next two years in change. I think if there was there was a more obvious like competitor to him for the for right. the starting gig, I think then it might be more of a conversation with some of his 
issues, inconsistencies this season with Nottingham Forest. But the reality is, like, when even we go back to qualifying for 2022, like, Joe, up until not long before the tournament, like, I was still of the mind that, like, it might be Zach Steffen starting because we just hadn't seen him healthy. When we had seen him healthy, it seemed like he was still the number one. Uh, and so it took a really long time, I mean, for me, to to think Matt Turner would end up being the out-and-out starter, maybe Greg Berhalter less time. But it was still over a year to two years that that sort of switched officially. And so to your point, it's not a ton of time. And, and like Ethan, uh, no, not Ethan Horvath. Let's say like Gaga Slonina is starting and playing regularly for Aupen, uh, in Belgium, I believe, but I think they are very much near the bottom of the table. Like, I don't know if that is going to maybe like, like move the radar that much. He'll probably get some opportunities in camp. Sean Johnson is 34. Ethan Horvath is is 28, so he's younger than Matt Turner. It's but like, the list it's is not, uninspiring. Yeah. yeah, it would be the January camp guys right now of like Celentano yeah. and Calendar. Drake Calendar, which don't feel like the same players yeah. on that level. Let me ask you guys this: If you had to pick, do you think <laughs> Matt Turner starting 2026 World Cup that the club he was representing plays in Major League Soccer or in Europe? Oh, that is an excellent. Goss is just lobbing cues I'm left here. and right today. I'm I like actually it. just a fan who just got <laughs> snuck on to ask live questions. I, I think he'll still be in Europe by then, but it, man, it's got to be darn close to 50-50 for me in my mind. Uh, I, I think there's probably still a path for him to reclaim that starting job at Nottingham Forest for them to stay up and for them to be like, all right, we're going to give this guy a full year and he's going to cement himself as a solid, if unspectacular, Premier League starter. That, I think, is is still very much on the table, but it's not the only thing on the table. I am sure. surprised how quickly I thought MLS might be the answer. I'll say this to Joe's point. I would agree with everything Joe said. I would add, even if he doesn't end up the starter for Nottingham Forest at the end of the year, if he goes out and has a strong Copa America, and if he maybe like single-handedly keeps the U.S. in a game or two... That feels like a thing that could turn some heads and could have some promoted Premier League clubs or some other clubs around Europe look at him and think, that's a guy that we could build on. And also, he's American, so we'll get some eyes on us. Let's go that route. So I think if he has a strong summer as well, that would probably help him get a move and stay in Europe. It's an interesting one, though, because he also could make some money in Major League Soccer. So I I was not ready for it to be as close as it is. I still lean Europe, I think, because I want to see him succeed and, and be the clear number one starter that he is in in Joe's heart at the very least. Uh, Let's keep moving uh, to another question uh, about the U.S. roster, but specifically the current U.S. roster from Kevin Tolley. Uh, I was wondering, or Tolley, I apologize uh, in advance. I was wondering about young Americans who aren't in January camp, specifically what's going on with Obed Vargas. Uh, generally, I was wondering if there were any other talented young Americans who were snubbed, quote unquote, for lack of a better word. Vargas was left at home when his, in my opinion, less talented teammate, uh, Atencio, was brought along. So a number of different shots fired there. Uh, Gus, why don't you start us off? Uh, I think Joe said this really well on the last show. It This feels like... Joe, why don't you start us off? <laughs> no, no, go ahead, guys. I don't go remember ahead, what guys. I said, go so ahead, please continue, David. This feels like an Olympic-heavy roster for the U.S. January camp. Um, so I would say I think there's a bigger, better chance that Josh Atencio goes to the Olympics, a.k.a. I think there's a better chance Seattle allows Josh Atencio to go to the Olympics than Obed Vargas. Yeah. The reason being to what's going on with Obed Vargas, it's been back injuries. And at his age, that's fairly unheard of. And at any age, it's really scary. And so you're not going to push a guy like that unnecessarily. And then I would say most people feel the ceiling on Obed Vargas is higher than Josh Atencio's. And I think the way Seattle, it looks like they've done their contracts. 
um, it feels like Josh Atencio is going to be in Seattle for the long term and that Obed Vargas is the guy that they want to try and sell. And so the way all of that sort of, I think, comes together is you have a situation here where it's like, let's protect him. Let's get him healthy for the regular season. Then we'll be playing him in regular season and League's Cup games while Josh Atencio is over in France playing for the Olympic team. And Atencio is also a little bit more positionally flexible where he can play center back or he can play center mid for a team that I, I think the Olympic rosters are fairly short. Like it's not a full 23 man roster. So he fits into that as well. That's like 18 answers to sort of what the question was. Yeah, I think that gets to the Seattle portion pretty well. Uh, Vargas is more of an influential player at this point for the Sounders in some ways and has had the injury problem. So I can understand keeping him home. They're looking at other snubs, like young Americans who weren't brought into January camp and maybe on merit should have been. I don't know if we mentioned these last week or not, but Chris Brady and Brian Gutierrez are the two that come to mind for me first and foremost. Chris Brady, goalkeeper, was probably one of the better young goalkeepers and, and a very solid goalkeeper in general in MLS last year. And Brian Gutierrez, kind of a half space, number 10 kind of guy, can pull some of the strings, isn't maybe quite as flashy as someone like Diego Luna, who is in camp, but has has done well and probably earned a spot given the other players who are down in Orlando before they're all going to San Antonio for whatever reason to take on, uh, what is it, Slovenia, Serbia? I honestly cannot remember what that is. It's happening on Saturday. I, a couple other young players who I think are good enough to be in January camp, but I'm I'm just not that bothered about. Ted Pietro, 21 years old, five goals, two assists for DC United in 1,100 minutes last year. I think a lot of folks, myself included, are expecting him to have a bigger role for DC next year. He is, or I guess this season, he is Olympic eligible, again, just 21 years old. Uh, very dribbly, likes to go at players 1v1, moves well off the ball, I think can, can add value in a lot of different ways. And then Benjamin Kramaski is the other one. I, I like his game. I like his upside. I don't think he's anywhere close to the finished product right now. But we've seen him get looks of the senior team. We've seen him get looks of the U23s. And he's just not in this camp. If I'm Benjamin Kramaski, I don't want to be. I want to be in preseason with Luis Suarez and Messi and Busquets and Jordi Alba and Tata Martino right now. So I can also understand that one. I'm just, I'm just really having a hard time getting passionate, passionately angry or passionately excited about basically anybody who's in this camp. I... I, I mostly listened to the last part of what Joe said. I'm not going to lie. I got distracted because Ted Pietro sounds like you started to say a person's name and got it wrong and then corrected. <laughs> uh, you are correct. It is definitely his name. It's so weird that Theodore I, yeah, becomes Ted. But it really does sound like Ted. I mean, uh, Pietro. Uh Yes, but I'm with you, Joe. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good yeah. shout. As were the, the other names uh, you all mentioned. Two other ones uh, to throw in there. Uh, Bur- I don't think we said this on the show. Maybe we did. But... Um, Beralter mentioned that he was interested in calling in Westerlo winger Griffin Yao and Haja split midfielder uh, Rokas Pukstas, but uh, I think the clubs would not let them go because it's not an international window. So those are two who could have been on the roster, but were not. I don't know if I would call them snubs then necessarily, but uh, perhaps worth mentioning. There any other names to to be discussed? Uh, I think Joe said Brian Gutierrez in the Chris Brady part, mm-hmm. so yep. that was one. Yep. I mentioned Daniel Edelman um, last show where I just. Not that I think he's better than a lot of guys that are called in, but I think he's equal and maybe a little bit younger right now. Um, Noel Buck would be the other big one. The assumption being he's turned it down, being a part of the England national team pool. And I think then when you look at a lot of the other names that you would say here, it is probably guys who aren't coming into the U.S. where 
you'd assume they'd be invited. Now, it doesn't cap tie you in this camp. So I think it's as a fan, it's a little upsetting to not see some of those names in there. Um, but those would be the big ones that stand out on top of the ones that Joe mentioned, where I think those are not ones that I'm banging the door down. And then obviously Jake Davis gave it fullback in Major League Soccer. But I'll just throw that out there at the end. If he if he does end up representing England at senior level, should No Buck be allowed to to represent uh, New England Revolution at the same time? That feels mm. like if you're if you're no, choosing yeah, England over the United States, old England only at yeah, that point. Okay, yeah, yeah. The the Long Island loyalists is where he'll end up. I think uh, uh, at that point. Are you kidding uh, me? Have you not seen <laughs> the shows about George Washington's sp- rice spring spiring rice spring? Yeah, turn. Teddy Cudi Pietro is the word you're looking for. Thank you. Thank you. There we are. There we are. Um, Let's take one more break. We'll be back uh, once Goss cools off. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Shopify, who would like to remind you that not everyone can be Erling Haaland or Harry Kane. I would say only Erling Haaland and Harry Kane can be Erling Haaland and Harry Kane. But more to the point, not everyone can score the number of goals that those two score. Not everyone can set the goal scoring record. Sometimes you've got to be the teammates. Sometimes you've got to be the assists uh, person. You've got to be Kieran Trippier or Kevin DeBarna. You've got to spread the ball around. You've got to help facilitate that attacking play and those goals to help get the results you want. Because you need that perfect teammate. And when you need a perfect teammate when it comes to growing your business, Shopify has you covered. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. That feels like a good stage to be at. Shopify is there to help you grow along the way. How do they do that? Well, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. You can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So you don't have somebody kind of following you around the online store just saying, can I help you, can I help you, can I help you? Nobody needs that in real life or online, but Shopify's AI gets the job done. And that is a very unique aspect of Shopify that no matter how big your business is, and that's something I really appreciate, you can be a, a podcast just starting up, a podcast that's been here for a while, or a business that actually makes money. Either way, uh, Shopify is going to help you because that's what they are all about. Sign up for just $1 per month uh, trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Uh, one more time, go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash TSS. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. Just kidding. Very much just kidding, because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show, and I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the the the, uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic, and all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy, and they're going to make it feel like you are connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can 
very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Welcome back to the Total Soccer Show. Goss, you feeling any better? You want to talk more about uh, your your hometown's uh, My loyalty? My town state? is literally named Port Washington, so you're welcome to the general of the American <laughs> Revolution for allowing you to lay your weary head for one night in our port. I, I, I regret going back to you for this. Let's go to Stu in the Discord instead. Uh, is Ligue 2? Uh, I know that's not how you pronounce it, but it's fun to overly pronounce French and then get yelled at. Is it not? Genuinely? I, that felt right to me. Every time I try to pronounce French, I am told that I'm doing it wrong. So I've mostly just given up at this point. Well, I think that's nature. just the nature of French. Oh, France? Yes. yes. <laughs> the Robert Williams joke, why test nuclear weapons in a beautiful Pacific island because we are French. Uh, is Ligue 2 becoming a good place to recruit MLS talent? Similar question from Climbing Cantor in the Discord. Uh, what are a couple other leagues you could see MLS teams use to take advantage of similar market inefficiencies? Joseph, start us off. Okay, so I will, I'll get to the Ligue 2 part first. Man, now I'm so conscious about how to say this. It does, it's Ligue 2. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Taylor, real quick, you're saying it wrong. Um, okay. <laughs> Ligue 2 seems like a hot spot to me. So looking specifically at some recent moves, Atlanta United have kind of made Ligue 2 their prime destination or, or prime recruiting spot. They made three moves in the last several months from League Dust. So they added Krista Mayumba in midfield, John De Silva on the wing from League Dust clubs during last season. So that was in the summer transfer window. And then last week, Atlanta United signed Stian Gregerson, a 28-year-old Norwegian center back from Bordeaux in League Dust. So they are very clearly recognizing League Dust as a place where they can go out there and find relatively undervalued talent to fill out the non-DP, spark, non-DP parts of their roster, right? I don't expect Atlanta United, when they do sell Tiago Almada, to go out there and sign a League 2 player as their new Almada replacement. I, I think they're going to go the Yakamakis route of this player's had success in multiple different leagues, is sort of in their prime. That seems to be what Garth Lagerwey likes doing. But in terms of filling out roster spots 5 through 11, going out and looking to League 2 and finding... I mean, France is like this talent factory, right? Even League 2... They generated over the last year or so the 15th, right around the 15th most money in the world from outgoing transfer fees. And that's a second division league in France. Like France is a factory for French talent and for talent from other countries as well. Other MLS teams have shopped in League 2 before and had some real success in the last couple of seasons, especially. I think about someone like Andres Cubas, who goes from South America over to France in the second division there, and then Vancouver sign him. And he has been one of the best defensive midfielders in all of Major League Soccer. Dennis Bawanga came from Saint-Étienne, who was just relegated from Ligue 1 to Ligue 2 in France, and he is now one of the top five best players in Major League Soccer for however much longer he is with LAFC. Like, I think there is absolutely talent to be had at a bargain that can come into Major League Soccer and thrive coming from the French second tier. I appreciate how many times Joe said Ligue 2 throughout the... Yeah, I really... (laughs) It was sounding like a fake word. You know, you say something so much or you write something so much, it looks fake. That was happening to me. uh, So I think... I agree with 
everything Joe said. And the other thing I would lean into is not just, it's not where Atlanta is going to go find their DP. It's all of the players we've named as successes are in their prime. And I think what teams have found is they can find teams in that league plays a similar style to them for in their prime players that will fit directly into the starting lineup. I think coming out of the Kevin Cabral experience though, I would be shocked if a lot of MLS teams went there to find their next Tiago Amada. And I think it feels right now safer to try and do that in South America or Central America, potentially in, out of Mexico for MLS teams than it does to try and bring a player over from the second division in France at 20 or 21 on a DP contract to try and then sell them back and make money. My assumption with that is because of what Joe said, which is everyone is shopping that player out of that league. Like, I think that's a lot of the sales are speculation sales where numbers are inflated a little bit because you think the player's potential is to be really big and to be sold on to a Leipzig or a PSG or whatever else in the future. And that's a space that MLS has not been as successful in. And I would always add, when you look at an MLS team, look at the three or four decision makers' backgrounds. Greg Vanny speaks French, lived in France, signs a lot of French players, signs a lot of players from Ligue 1 and Ligue 2. Other people have played in Italy or Argentina or whatever, and they will lean on those contacts normally for players like that. But I think we're sort of at this point of like the Scandinavian leagues, the Scottish Premier League at times, some of the second divisions in the top five countries in Europe, the Dutch league, those players, it feels like are sort of transferable into major league soccer right now as starter for starter. Uh, I think you all have given some good answers. It's not a league necessarily, but I think as we watch yeah. the Africa Cup of Nations, I continue to be reminded that there is so much talent there. Right to Dream Academy has already established, I think, plenty of connections and brought over plenty of Ghanaian players. Uh, and, and I think that that is a country that I certainly would continue to scout heavily where I MLS. But I do think that is something in North African leagues or in African leagues to, to go and scout and find players because I think that is where you could find very, very strong talent for not a lot of money that you could then develop and either become a key contributor or sell on for even more money. It is also a huge market and growth center for USL and MLS Next Pro. Those players that are coming out of some of these academies in, we're going to specifically talk about West Africa because that's where we've seen a lot of the success, but I think we'll start to spread into at least the Eastern Horn. You are seeing those players look at it. And when we see the history of be like, mm, my agent can force me into a fourth division team in the Czech Republic. And then I get stuck and nothing happens. We've heard these stories a million times. There's been really good connections built into MLS next pro and USL from a lot of those places where you're not really going to get to scout them a lot, but it's like, there's trust. I know this club has taken care of players in the past and on the MLS and USL side, I know that this academy has produced good players and they're vouching for them. We've seen a ton of this movement. Like if you watch some of these um, USL or MLS Next Pro teams, there are three or four players from Mali, Ivory Coast, Ghana, stuff like that almost every season. Yeah. Kickers had that for a good long while. There was a Ghanaian contingent uh, in Richmond, which is partially where my answer comes from. Yeah. No, I, I think... When you look at other leagues and other areas that can be valuable to MLS teams, and, and I think Climbing Cantor phrased it as like ways to take advantage of market inefficiencies, 
Africa, I think, is it's obviously a massive thing to say, right? You can't just say like an entire continent, but we still don't see a ton of talent from Africa end up in Major League Soccer until you mentioned Right to Dream and Goss, you've talked about the lower division stuff. San Diego next year, I think, are going to continue to push that forward in MLS because of the ownership structure and they, they have deep, deep ties to the Right to Dream Academy. And there's going to be a new branch of that in in San Diego, right? So the I think some of the things that they've talked about, San Diego ahead of joining next season is like, we're going to look for talent in San Diego and Tijuana. And I think that will very much be the case, but it wouldn't surprise me if there is more collaboration across the Right to Dream locations. Uh, another league that makes sense to me looking outside of, of Africa you really can't look at South America for something like this. So I do think Asia, you look at maybe the the J-League, which is something that the Galaxy have gone after in a multiple times, or, or at least Japanese players who have experience there. Um, you look at even players who were on the South Korean World Cup squad, and Minnesota United were interested in Chuggo Fire, I think had some interest in a couple of those players from a couple of years ago. But the one that comes to mind for me, feels a little bit safer, feels a little easier to gauge the talent level, is Belgium. I think we've seen slightly fewer moves from Belgium to MLS than we have from the second division in France. Note that I didn't say league fill in the blank. Um, like I, we've seen a few more moves from the second tier in France than we have from Belgium. Not that we haven't seen anybody, right? Dante Vinzier didn't exactly go great for the Red Bulls last year for a number of reasons. Was coming from Belgium. Alejandro Pozuelo came from Belgium. There have been big high level players that have come over, but in the general, not a ton of movement from Belgium to Major League Soccer and the salary data you can find online is always a bit sketchy, unless it's genuinely, unless it's MLSPA released or, or some player just comes out and says it. But my guess and my understanding from research that I have been able to do is that the top guys in Belgium are like DP level players in MLS. Like most MLS teams can offer something competitive on the salary side to most of the better players in Belgium. We're seeing the Galaxy link to a Ghanaian international who happens to play for, I believe, Genk right now on the wing more of those kinds of moves feel like they could be coming in MLS. One thing to throw out, because I've was been thinking about this all week because of watching the Asian Cup, similar to AFCON, and um, I had gotten frustrated in the past and someone explained to me was one of the issues with signing more players in MLS from Asia, especially from like a Japan, South Korea, is there's a cap to the amount of players in Asian Champions League that have to be from your country. And then there's an additional amount of players you can have that can be from an Asian federation, but not yours. So like when you look at the teams from Saudi Arabia and Qatar and United Arab Emirates that want to win Asian Champions League, they go out and they will normally overspend on South Korean, Japanese, Australian players because they are allowed like three or four of those spots that don't count as internationals in um, Asian Champions League. And so that's why we saw there what you know was a center back for Seattle who went and then went to the Middle East because they, those um, salaries are out of proportion probably with what that player would get. So that's just something to think about as well as the fact that like Japan and South well, Japan mainly, is starting to be on par with MLS in terms of salaries, depending on which player you are. All right. I feel like we've done a pretty good job of answering this one in some detail. Two more questions. The next one comes from Brian Schneck on Twitter. Your thoughts on Gio Reyna doing a Landon Donovan and playing in MLS during the prime of his career. Uh, would Wilfred Nance and Columbus get the maximum out of his unrealized potential? I'm just going to jump in to say... I feel like there's zero chance he accepts this move. Yeah. Uh, I feel like like he would 
very much rather stay in Europe at any level and play with a chip on his shoulder and and sort of rise through the ranks again uh, than he would come back to MLS and dominate, which I think he would. I think he'd be a very good player in Major League Soccer, but I don't think he would ever be okay with that move, at least not in his prime. Joe, your thoughts? Yeah, I think, and I think Brian probably knows this. This won't happen, but it is a fun thought exercise. Like, at least it's one that I had fun with. Giorena, 21 years old, it, it seems like a move before the end of the January window, maybe to Real Sociedad, is a possibility for him, like a real possibility Dortmund executives are coming out and saying, you know, we, we don't know for sure if he's going to be around or not. So there there are things happening. Things are in the works over in, in, in Germany right now for Gio Reyna, but they're not in the works to bring him back to Major League Soccer. So I, I don't think Gio would like this, and I don't think it's a good idea for him. I think he has the ceiling to be a generational type of talent in the way that Landon Donovan was, but even better than Landon Donovan ever was. And so you got to go somewhere that's going to help you maximize your ability. And frankly, for Gio Reyna, that's not Major League Soccer. With that being said, if you're coming to MLS, it's hard not to take a long look at the crew right now. For basically any player in any position, Gio Reyna filling the... Um, shoot, gosh, who's the what's, the... what's the guy who plays left mid for them? What's that guy's name? Why can I not remember what his name is? No, uh, the, the attacking midfield guy. Not Rossi, not Cucho, the third dude. Like, Mike, uh, Matan. Thank you. Luke. Um, thank you to me, I guess. It, it's hard for me not to imagine. That was painful. Uh, for I think everyone. it was Matan. Well, they also don't play with the left Thanks, mid, Taylor. so don't get in no, my yeah, face. Yeah, left attacking midfield is, is what I meant. Um, I, he would be incredible in that Matan role. Like, he would crush in the Georgie Matan role that, that Nance has always used. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. But Columbus is top of my list. Then maybe LAFC tucking in from the wing and then playing the 10 for NYCFC. Those are the three spots that if I'm Giorena and I have to go back to MLS, I will be doing one of those things. Please and thank you. Does NYCFC still have some sort of rights on him? I don't know. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. I, so that would that would be an interesting one. If I I would think not because okay. they never signed him to a contract and I don't believe they sold him. Okay, so there we go. Okay, so Helps that opens to keep that your then. rights unrestricted if your dad is the sporting director of the club, <laughs> and also Joe's personal best friend who texts him all the time. Yeah, obviously. All right, so Geo to Columbus or anywhere else in Europe is where we're at. Uh, yeah, I'd push back on the anywhere else in Europe. Like <laughs> literally any level in Europe feels like Barnsley. a dangerous game. There are players. Barnsley. There are players going to Serbia right now and other countries that are just straight up not getting paid and not thriving. Um, yeah, Geo can can do a bit better than that. MLS would be better than some of those moves, but he's not he's not coming back here anytime soon. Joe Geo to Fiorentina. How are you feeling about that? I can't claim to have watched. I know. I'm just throwing, any you, of I'm just throwing your names now. I'm trying to find you a level where you're like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm cool with that. What about a like struggle like? If he got a loan to Union Berlin, you're happy with that, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not happy to have to watch more of Union Berlin, but I think <laughs> he makes them better for sure. All right, all right. So it's it's like like a, a top league team. Basically. Yeah, he he should absolutely be going to a, a a club that like people listening to this show know about and play at a decent level and can watch on TV with relative ease. Like that is you, he's that good, folks. Are you happy if he goes to PSV and continues the American Reclamation project? Low, kinda, yeah. I'm not mad at that. Gio Reyna and Malik Tillman starting as the two number 8s in their uh in their 4-3-3. Let's make it happen. All right. All right. So I think I think we're all on the same page there. We don't see him in Major League Soccer anytime soon. Final question. Nick on Twitter, Texas Hoosier in the Discord as well. Which team from both the East and West that didn't make the playoffs last season has the best chance to make them this season? So one from the East, one from the West, 
David Goss, get us started. Can Let's we just start with the way I'm going to start every Miami. MLS combo for the next six months? <laughs> yeah. Can we take Miami off the board? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's take them off the board, but not until I set an over under. So Miami finished what second from bottom in the in the East or they finished real low in the East last year. Uh, obviously, everybody expects them to be better this year. Goss and Taylor, will they finish above 1.5 in the standings or below 1.5 in the standings? Are they going to be first or lower than first in the East this season? Goss, what say you? I'll say below. Not okay. by a lot, Taylor. but it feels like a safe answer of like, you know, they'll probably have a game in New Zealand on May 15th, and then they'll probably chuck in a friendly against Real Madrid's reserves on September right. 12th. The Barcelona's so, uh, Exactly. Absolutely. So I think they'll okay. still finish top three, but probably not one. Taylor? Uh, despite Luis Suarez breaking all the scoring records, I think they will finish uh, not top. Yeah. I th- I I don't know what I think. I think you're probably right. I'd probably go with the under, but I don't I don't feel good about it. But okay. I think the I think the minute half that team realizes, oh, we just have to make the playoffs, that's it. I feel like there's gonna be some time taken off from a couple different people. And I think like fourth will probably be good enough for them to then coast through the playoffs. Coast is maybe a strong word, but also maybe not a strong word at the same time. So if we're taking Miami off the board, uh, would, do either of you have another Eastern Conference team that you feel confident yeah, about? Yeah, because uh, I was told I could go first, so I get to pick Tim Ream out the gate. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think to me the obvious one is NYCFC. Like they're yep. the base with them is good. They brought in Bracar last year. They were on a points per game um, momentum from the transfer window on that meant they would have made the playoffs. They haven't really lost anyone this offseason. I assume, as always, that they will bring four guys in a week after the season starts when the transfer window closes um, from the CFG family as well. They've got continuity. They've got stability. They've got talent. The big issue with a lot of the talent was like not old enough to carry the team. Well, they're all one year older. So NYCFC would be the team I feel safest about picking right now. Yep, I agree with that. I had Miami and NYCFC on my list. I think NYCFC will absolutely make the playoffs. If something's going to hold them back besides some of their gaps on the back line, but assuming those things get covered up before too much of the season passes, it's the fact that Maxi Morales was gone. They let him go back to Argentina. Then they brought him back midway through last season, and they got better. They didn't just get better because of Maxi Morales, but also because of Monsef Bakrar, 22-year-old Algerian striker who is very, very good. Uh, like they didn't just get better because of Bacar though. It was also Morales coming in and pulling some of the strings. So it was, it was a group effort. And then he tore something in his knee. And so he's, he's done. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see him this year at all. Like that is, that's a problem because Santiago Rodriguez never really showed that he could be the string puller for this team. I think Santiago Rodriguez is very good. I don't know if he is lead your team to, you know, top three in the East good, but it, that's not the question. So yes, NYCFC obviously are going to, are going to end up in the playoffs as well. Taylor, did you have anybody in the East or should we go to the West? Uh, I had the two teams we've discussed. Okay. Uh, my, my my one other question. No, say DC, Taylor. Do it. I mean, I, it's a crime that neither of you has mentioned them, but I, I, I don't think I can really make that pitch yet. We'll see what happens. Uh, my, my one question for you both. Uh, who is the best team in the East that you think might miss the playoffs next season or might just like barely scrape in? So... Uh, to refresh your memory, we had in this order Cincinnati, Orlando City, Columbus, Philadelphia, New England, Atlanta, Nashville, Red Bulls, Charlotte. Um, okay, so Charlotte is the easy pick. 
Yeah. If we're not if we're not counting but the I wild want, cards, I want, who is the I want who is the best team that you think will New fall England? Out? New if I had yep. to pick any, yep. uh, everybody is so high on New England, and I do not for the life of me understand why. They're banking on their new goalkeeper being really good, which seems like a fair thing to bank on if you're the Revs, frankly, because they've hit on Petrovich. They obviously had Matt Turner, who was incredible for years on years on years in New England. But like they did just miss to replace Petrovich, and now they're taking another bite of the apple. But like Goss loves Chankalai. I don't. Goss put him on my 11, I guess, when we do that that exercise <laughs> that Tony mentioned earlier. Like we don't have enough data on him to, to and I, I don't just mean numbers, by the way. Like I mean watching him play soccer in Major League Soccer. We don't have enough that makes me think he is a DP level player. And their number nine situation is an absolute mess. Like I, I don't, I just don't see it. They're missing a starting fullback with an ACL injury. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not high on the Revs at all. Uh, I was gonna pick the Revs as well. I think for slightly different reasons. One, just like the turnover of coach, coaching staff, trying to figure it all out. Um, the Brandon Bay injury, big. It doesn't always feel like they have the right group in central midfield. I trust more on the goalkeeper move of like the mess up with Petrovic was not that they picked fast or whatever. It was that they didn't have anyone. And so they had to go into the who's available in the open market, which was guys who can't walk straight and have knees that face opposite directions. Oh, no, we forgot to to plan for what happens. when We lose the greatest goalkeeper who's ever set foot in Major League Soccer. Yikes. But that doesn't mean that when they've had an open market to pick from, they haven't gotten it right now. Um, but I, it's just when you look at the tips towards the top, it feels like Orlando is doing the things to maintain, if not get better. You have confidence in Columbus. You have confidence in Philadelphia. Atlanta feels like they're getting better. So now you get into the New England-Nashville conversation. With Nashville, there's going to be a time when, like, Hani can't carry the team anymore. The hope would be Surge is at a level this year at that he's that he'd to be at and enough to at least maintain a playoff spot. Uh, what about Western Conference teams? Uh, Joe, you can start us this time. I'm just going to keep giving Joe preferential treatment. If he picks Tim Ream, I'm going to lose. In in the process of giving me preferential treatment, Taylor, I'm opening myself up to abuse on this show. Uh, the LA Galaxy are the first team that I have down on my list. I I think they will certainly make the playoffs last <laughs> I was year. I, was I would like to set the go. line on the Galaxy as well. <laughs> Before I do that, I've got Portland. Uh, I think Portland have gotten better I think we maybe talked about this last week, addition by subtraction, in that Yamichara and Nioskoda were both terrible DPs in MLS. And they were here for four years, which boggles my mind. They're both gone now, which is like you can get above that level of production from almost anyone in a roster. And they also are adding talent from within the league, and they still have two DP spots open. So I really like what Portland are doing. Does this your offseason. mind change if Evander leaves? Uh no, as long as they <sighs> Not, not really. I think Portland, even if Evander leaves and they don't feel his DP spot. So right now, to set the stage, two DP spots open after Chara and Yimmy, not Diego, leaves and Yashkoda leaves. That opens two slots. Evander is filling the third one. If Evander leaves and there's interest from Brazil, who knows if that's realistic or not. And they add two DPs, but not all three. If they even hit on one of those DPs, I think they're still clearly better than they were last season. They missed the playoffs with, with even just a little bit more talent domestically and abroad, I think they, they pretty clearly get better, like a lot better. Uh, for the Galaxy, I want to set a line for them as well. I'm setting the line at 5.5. So David and Taylor, do you think the Galaxy will finish above 5.5 in the standing? So fifth or, or higher or sixth or lower? 5.5 up or down from 5.5? David. Uh, I'm going to go below. Okay. Taylor? I'll follow Gus. I have no idea because because they're they're like like that really is just a it's a it's a chaotic situation that I don't think I can claim to have like a ton of 
confidence in predicting. So I'll just follow Goss's footsteps. Okay, that's fine. You chose Goss over me. That's cool. I'm smashing. Mm-hmm. I'm smashing the above five point five in the standings. Mm-hmm. Um, the West is terrible. So, like, would you put them in second place, Joe? Uh no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not oh, going no? that far this year. <laughs> what do you mean? But I think I think fourth or fifth or even third feels just about right. The West is awful. Like it really, it really sucks compared to the Eastern Conference. Like it's just it's just not good. There's anything is up for grabs. Like the East took the West lunch money last year and spent it on trophies. They are so much better than the Western Conference. St. Louis is not a reliable top of the table team. Seattle are going through a, a little bit of an identity shift. LAFC, who knows what's happening with them right now? Are Houston really the fourth best team in your conference? I don't know. Probably not year over year. Then you look at RSL, Vancouver, Dallas, and I, I just don't know that any of those non wild card teams are going to be awesome. And I do think the Galaxy have the potential to be fun, and more than that, I think they have the, the potential to be good. I don't think they're trophy good, but I think they're going to be good. Joe, I wish I had the capacity to love like you do. I know. I know. I keep coming back to the well. Literally, you picked them third, which is just one spot below last year after watching them. Anywhere between third and fifth feels feels good about it. Listen, feel good about that. nothing coming back from last year except Ricky Pooch makes me believe in that, but the hope is that there's more trust in the decision-making now and the pieces brought in will fit better. The hard part in picking them in this moment to me is I don't believe in most of what's coming back from last year and the assumption that all that enough signings will hit fast enough is always a worrying one for me in major league soccer. It's why I was a little worried about Orlando last year and I was wrong about that sort of. Um, So I will probably be wrong about the galaxy one as well. I'm going to follow the lead of a certain Georgie Mihailovic and say Colorado Rapids are a big club. They bounce back into the MLS Cup playoffs. I can see that. The, the West is bad enough and the Rapids have, have done enough early in the offseason with probably two more official moves still to come. They're going to sign Sam Bynes, according to Tom. So that's a, a starting and very good left back in Major League Soccer. And they're, they're certainly going to sign one more central midfielder. I can absolutely see the Rapids hitting somewhere from like ninth to seventh next year. Maybe Kevin maybe Cabral rebound maybe season. Higher. We all agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Tying up the, the league duh, conversation from earlier. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, I had uh, Portland and I, I I had I was curious about the Galaxy. I assumed Joe would get us there. Yep. And I did have some thoughts on Colorado as well. Uh, that, that would be very interesting, especially because I've just been so down on them for so many seasons. To have them make the playoffs would be a nice change of pace. Similar question to the Eastern Conference. Any teams that you think will fall out of the playoff spots? I, I think it I think is Joe just named entirely yeah, I, like like genuinely, Goss, I'm curious. I'm not even trying to look yeah. at this with galaxy color glasses. If RSL, Vancouver, Dallas, SKC, San Jose, maybe even Houston dropped out of the playoffs, St. Louis, like would would any of us be that surprised or would we say like, no, actually, like I can kind of see how that happened. I would not be shocked. I would say I have the most confidence yeah. in Vancouver of all of those of like stable team, pretty good floor. Um, yeah, yeah, you and do. probably RSL alongside them. But in terms of like Dallas, SKC, just the way it's gone up and down, San Jose, which doesn't feel like they're getting much better from a team that barely got over the line last year, right? As of right now. Um, no, I wouldn't be shocked if a single Western Conference team fell out of the playoffs outside of like Seattle and not because I think Seattle's okay. that good, just because it never happens to them except the CCL year. Except like two yeah. years ago. <laughs> 
I'm assuming LAFC missing the playoffs would surprise you. Not no? really. He left the door open, Not man. really. Goss hates Los Angeles. That's yeah. what we learned on this show. He hates Los Angeles and Carson, the general LA area. He hates you just it. You look at the way last year went. I don't know that what happened was sustainable. And if Buanga leaves, it's obviously not, right? They would have to completely replace basically their entire attack. Like, not just from goal output, but the entire theory of what they played through. They lost Chiellini as well. They're going to lose Kellen Acosta. So it just, there's not a lot left there. Elias Sanchez, one year on. They've lost Diego Palacios, which is a massive loss as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a down year. Now, remember, last time they went down year, MLS Cup. So, like, it's part of a longer process with them. It wouldn't worry me about John Thorington or the stability of the club or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs. Gus, put Kellen Acosta in my 11 as well. Just, I'm helping you out all the way around. What's Kellen Acosta good at, by the way? Just, you know, that's a question for another time. Conca calfing? Come back to it. Yep. True. Um, Meantime, I'm just going to continue to follow in LAFC's footsteps. I'm just going to go to the Tottenham wiki page and find an aging Tottenham (laughs) player who can still... uh, Ivan Perisic. Ivan Perisic is going to move to LAFC. That's how they're going to strengthen... We would give you some Buanga-esque experience. See? See? It all looks a little bit better once you just start snaking Tottenham players, and we're going to work out just fine. They're going to be in the playoffs. Don't worry about it. Maybe Timo Werner in there, even though he's only on loan. I don't don't know how that's going to work. He would (laughs) crush. He would absolutely crush. Unless the stadium was too loud, and then he might not be able to function. Who knows? I forgot about yeah, that. Always wow. an interesting one, that team over their situation. Gentlemen, thank you for answering so many questions, as well as a few of mine along the way. David Goss, we will return you to the relatively safe environs of witness protection, but I really appreciate you stepping out to record today. I'll see you for Fresh Tracks tomorrow, Taylor. <laughs> Chiller. <laughs> Narpow, Narpow. Uh, and Joe Lowry, uh, thank you for enduring these final closing seconds. It was the 78th minute that all my hope was lost. <laughs> this was fun, guys. Thanks. Uh, listeners, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.